Well, uh, let me start uh, with a prayer, so pray with me. Lord, thank you for your story of grace, forgiveness, and healing. God, thank you for this ministry, leaders who sacrificed to be here, and your faithful servants who help Holly and I along the way. I pray for those in this room who are searching to look no further than your amazing son, Jesus. May all the glory be to you. Amen. All right. Matthew 7, 13, 14. Enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. But small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. Here's a story of two people initially entering through many wrong gates and eventually having the Lord put us on the right path. Hello, my name is Holly Swanee, and I was born and raised in a small town in Louisiana. I grew up in a very loving home to my parents who are celebrating 46 years of marriage this year. I was the only girl and the youngest of three. I first came to know about Jesus through a backyard Bible study I attended weekly. My parents never went to church, but read me stories from a children's Bible. In high school, I lost one of my brothers to cancer. This is the first time I saw God turn something that others see as a tragedy into a blessing because my parents' faith grew and we began to go to church together as a family. This began such a sweet time in my life, seeing my mom read the Bible and pray. My relationship with God was the center of my life and in high school and throughout college. I've always enjoyed studying the word and sharing what God is teaching me. Hello, my name is Klein Swanee and I was born and raised in Houston, Texas. I grew up in a very loving home with my parents celebrating 36 years of marriage. I'm a middle child of three. I grew up going to church as a as a family and was confirmed in my church after eighth grade. Through high school, I was forced to attend small groups and didn't enjoy it very much. I was very knowledgeable of who Jesus was and knew that I was forgiven for my sins, but I never pursued a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. All through high school, I was very rebellious and wanted to fit in. This usually led to partying over the weekends and putting a lot of stress on my parents. One thing that I learned from my parents is to work hard and pursue a career that makes a lot of money. Both of my parents traveled for a living and having at least one parent gone became a norm for me growing up. Holly and I met freshman year at Louisiana Tech University. I was still living a wild and fast life when my college roommate called and invited me over to a party because there was a beautiful blind girl here. I was attending my first college party, which at the time I thought was a Christmas party. I was actually witnessing to the host and made a deal with her that I would go to the party if she would come to church with me. At this party, I allowed peer pressure and people-pleasing to convince me to have a few drinks. I wanted to show them that Christians can have fun, too. When I got to the party, my roommate introduced me to this pretty blonde Holly. I figured that she was like everyone else at the party, living fast and free. It wasn't until I asked to see her again and get her number that she said, you can see me tomorrow at church. Her response caught me off guard. Something I prayed for regularly was to have a golly girl, so I figured, why not? Little did I know, she gave me the wrong time for church. When I first saw Klein, I was immediately attracted to him. He definitely wasn't someone I wanted to bring home to my dad or to meet my church friends. That's why I gave him the wrong time. I liked him, but I was ashamed. <laughs> I liked him, but I was ashamed of how we met in his current lifestyle. When I showed up to church and realized she gave me the wrong time, I figured I would stay and wait for her to give her a piece of my mind. 
for trying to stand me up at church of all places. <laughs> However, she showed up and realized I waited for her. She apologized and began introducing me to her friends. After church, we did go on our first date. Our dating relationship would not be classified as godly. I was very conflicted because I loved the Lord, but I also loved this rebel. I started living two different lives and started hanging out with Klein and his friends more than going to church and my friends. I knew this was wrong, so I started to force Klein to attend small group Bible study with men he didn't know. This felt like high school all over again, being a wolf in sheep's clothing. I had no intentions of changing my lifestyle at the time, even though I knew it was wrong. We continued to date and eventually got married in 2012. We moved to Dallas to be close to my job, and I still had no intentions of changing my lifestyle or joining a church. As a husband, I wanted to provide all the amazing things that my parents had instilled in me as valuable. I made several promises to Holly about a glamorous lifestyle that we would live, and I was willing to do just about anything to make more money. Our marriage in the beginning was predicated off of what I learned from my parents. Although my parents are great role models in my life, I never saw them fight. At a young age, I believed that a good marriage and good relationships didn't have any conflict. This carried over into my dating life and eventually into our marriage, as I never confronted any issues and stuffed my feelings very deep. I wanted Klein to be something he wasn't ready to be. When we moved to Dallas, I wanted to find a church home. Klein and I both grew up in two completely different denominations, so I agreed to try his out. We went to church for several months, but never got plugged in, nor met anyone there. Klein was very happy with this church, but I was ready to dig deeper. <laughs> a co-worker invited us to Watermark, and much to Klein's surprise, he enjoyed it. I learned they had a community group for newlyweds, so I signed us up. <laughs> <laughs> we started attending Watermark and getting plugged in. However, I still hadn't made uh, many changes in my life. I continued to be negative and focused on my career over my marriage. After driving home from church one day, I was asked by Holly if I'd ever truly accepted Christ in my life because she had never seen much joy in my life or any of the fruits of the Spirit for that matter. This angered me, but made me realize that she was right, and that afternoon began a new journey for me. We joined a foundation group, which is a community group for newlyweds. I was baptized again, and for the first time in my life, I was surrounded by godly men and godly marriages. Our foundation group leaders showed me what a true godly marriage looked like and how the husband is supposed to be the leader of his family. Although I was on the right path with Christ, I still valued my career and wanted to make a lot of money. 1 Timothy 6, 9 through 10 says, people who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge men into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. I was disappointed and frustrated that I wasn't providing more for what I thought would make us happy. When I was at home, I focused more on what we didn't have and pursued my career over pursuing my wife. I was constantly looking for other jobs that paid better and was referred to a job that paid a lot more but would force us to move to Florida and required me to travel a lot more than what I was already doing. Holly and I talked about this new opportunity and we agreed to go. Our community group advised us not to go, but I valued worldly treasure over godly advice. Proverbs 12:15 says, the way of a fool seems right to him, but a wise man listens to advice. We just got plugged into a community and we were finally on the right path that I wanted for my marriage, but I also knew how much Klein's career meant to him. 
Rather than standing up for what I knew was right, I wanted to please my husband, so I agreed to go. When we got there, we tried a few churches but never planted roots. We surrounded ourselves with worldly people and started living Klein's old lifestyle. Proverbs 13.20 says, Walk with the the wise and become wise, for a companion of fools suffers harm. We moved to Florida, and I was extremely unhappy. Something that I left out from my background is also something I didn't address with my husband before we got married. I was sexually abused as a child and never told anyone. I had lived with this secret my whole life and didn't think it had any effect on me. Boy, was that a lie. The secret finally came out when another incident happened while Klein was away in Florida. I, had alri- I already had a very unhealthy view of sex, and now I felt abandoned by God. I knew he had used tragedy, me- tragedy in my life before for good with my brother, but how was he ever going to redeem this? For the first time in my life, I turned my back on the Lord. I started to drink heavily and party with Klein's coworkers while he was away. I had very unhealthy boundaries, which led to an affair. 1 Corinthians 15.33 says, Do not be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. When I found out, I figured my marriage was over. In my brokenness, sitting on the beach, the first person I could think to call was my foundation group leader, Chris. When I told him when I told him my marriage was over, he asked a very simple question that caught me off guard. Why does it have to be? I responded with my perception of Matthew 5.32, which thought and thought the Bible clearly gave me an out. He told me to go home and read Matthew 19, and we would talk about it. After reading the scriptures, I still believed I was right and called him back. The point that changed my view was Matthew 19.8. Moses permitted you to divorce your wives because your hearts were hard, but it was not this way from the beginning. Divorce was never a part of God's plan when he created marriage. Marriage isn't a contract, but a covenant before the Lord. He then proceeded to ask me what my part was in leading to this. Matthew 7, 5 says, You hypocrite, take the plank out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. After several conversations with Chris and Nicole, we agreed that we would try to work things out. It was suggested to us that we listen to a teaching on a fair recovery on the Watermark website. One of the first suggestions was to get radical, and we did just that. We immediately stopped drinking, unplugged from all social media, turned off the television, and Klein took me on a date every night for two weeks. We started, um, we started to attend Reengage at a church in Florida, but still didn't have a church home. We realized that we wanted to surround ourselves with people who loved the Lord, so we decided to move back to Dallas and rejoin our foundation group after completing Reengage. It was during this time that Klein decided to put his career on hold and take a new job that allowed him to be home every night. I also attended Shelter, which is a recovery group for women who have been sexually abused. God used both programs to bring upon healing and forgiveness that I never thought existed. James 4, 7, and 8 says, Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Come near to God, and he will come near to you. Although things were getting back on track, I still held on to a lot of anger, bitterness, bitterness, and resentment. I started to attend Regeneration, where I continued to discover my role in contributing to the affair. 
Through this process, I was able to realize that I had made my career my God, put my identity in what others thought of me, and my love of money overshadowed my love for God. I also realized that I never created a safe environment for Holly to openly communicate with me, and for the first time in our relationship, we were actually seeking to understand each other and communicate expectations. Through re-engaged leadership, I learned the formula for finding forgiveness and healing is grace plus truth plus time equals healing. Grace is undeserved kindness. Truth is being open and honest, not relying on feelings, but God's word. And time is on God's watch. Our marriage is better than I could have ever dreamt it would be. Clint and I seek God daily. We share what we are learning in the word, pray and encourage each other daily, and are surrounded by a community group who holds us accountable when we don't. And they're here tonight. <laughs> we have learned how to communicate in a way that seeks to understand one another. I have seen such an improvement with Klein's anger. Things that would have caused him to snap no longer do, and he quickly forgives when needed. He is truly living out the verse, James 1:19. My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. He has stepped up to be the leader in our family, and I've never found him more attractive than I do now. He initiates prayer walks with me, which I love the most. He pursues me, and I never have to doubt if he loves me or if he loves me more than his career. Date nights are a priority and are the first thing we schedule when writing our monthly calendar. The things that used to cause conflict in our marriage no longer do, such as finances and intimacy. God has taken our weaknesses and turned them into growing opportunities for our marriage. John 15, 5 says, I am the vine, you are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. The only reason you can stay in a marriage is because of Jesus Christ. It is because Jesus first loved us and gave himself up for us that Khan and I are able to love each other and forgive each other each day. One of my favorite verses is 1 Peter 1, 6 and 7. In this, you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief and all kinds of trials. These have come so that your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may be proved genuine and may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Although we may have suffered briefly, it was the suffering that has brought us closer to the Lord and to each other. Rebuilding trust with Holly came easier by watching her walk daily with the Lord. Over the last two years, God has pulled us out of the fiery pit, refined and strengthened our marriage, and placed us in a service position where we can use his story to encourage and train seriously dating and engaged couples in merge. If you're here tonight and feeling hopeless, we hope you do these three things. One, surrender to God's word. Ephesians 6, 10 through 18. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when that day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you've done everything to stand, stand firm. Then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up 
the shield of faith, which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, and pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Two, surround yourself with God's people. Hebrews 10, 24, and 25. And let us consider how we may spur one another on towards loving good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another all the more days as you see the day approaching. Three, allow the Holy Spirit to work. We were given this advice when we felt hopeless. Remember, God never lets a hurt go without a purpose. Surrender to him wholeheartedly and let the Spirit work. Philippians 3, 12 through 14 says, Not that I have already obtained all of this or have already been made perfect, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is head, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. We are by no means perfect or have it figured out. We are two sinners pursuing holiness together. May all the glory be to God. Thank you and go to battle.